Would you turn to the book of Hebrews, please? Hebrews 13. We've been talking about a subject we're calling without covetousness. And uh, I know if you announce the seminar on that subject, you might not just have people flock and run to come to it. Because it doesn't sound like something that people think they're interested in. But it's Bible. And it's very important. And I can see a number of reasons why the Lord would lead us on this right now. And tonight I believe we'll be able to get into some of the why that the Lord has uh, led us this way. We'll just see. But in Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. And uh, verse 5. It says. Let your conversation. Be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have for he has said how can you be content no matter what's going on in your life because he has said I will never leave you nor forsake you where does real contentment come from real soul satisfaction cannot be achieved through things nor money, nor professional success, nor so-called financial security and freedom. There is not enough money to keep you satisfied in your spirit. There is no amount that you could get that will make you feel satisfied and content inside yourself. You know, one guy was asking another, he just bought this uh, $100,000 Porsche, brand new. And, I mean, this thing is, you know, it's the top of the line. And somebody was asking him, they said, what's the best thing about getting that car? He said, the day before I got it. (laughs) Now, why would he say that? Huh? It was a dream that he knew was being fulfilled. The day before he got it. And he's so excited. But why the day before? Why not the day after? Well, because the day after he realized that it scratched just like a $20,000 car. (laughs) And wore out. Could have a problem. And that even though you got in it, it didn't make you somebody else. Right? You're still you. Even if you're trying to act weird, you're still you. Sometimes people say, well, the clothes make the man. Clothes don't make a man or a woman. A house don't make a man or a woman. Or a car or any amount of money. What can make you content? On the answer, only the one who made you. Only. The one who created you. Now, you know, if your life is right with him, you can enjoy stuff. The cars, the houses, the clothes, what have you. But he said, let your life be without covetousness. So how much of the stuff is it okay for us to have? Zero. We should be on and we have been on for some weeks now. And remember, we were excited about it. Oh, that's weak. Do you remember? We were pumped. I mean, we were excited. 
We are eliminating covetousness from our lives. We're not going to have one bit of it left. We are living now in a covetous free zone. Our houses are covetousness free. So are our automobiles and our hobbies and right covetousness free. Free. So let's go further into this. We talked about numerous aspects of this, but let's go further into it. What did we say covetousness is? Literally means desire. One definition is to delight in or to long for. And another one is to sigh for or to set the heart on. We might say in good old Arkansas, Southern Missouri talk, you want it bad. You want it. You want it bad. But when you sign for it, you want it. You want it. Can you want things that you should not want? Even I'm talking about born again people. Church going, Bible toting, word quoting people, tongue talking people. Can they want something they should not want. Yes. Yeah. Because see when you were born again. It wasn't your mind that was born again. It wasn't your emotions that got born again. And it certainly wasn't your body that got born again. The man on the inside. The spirit became a new creation in Christ Jesus. But then we're told. You got to get your mind renewed. So that you think right. And you got to keep your body under control. The scripture says. Elsewise. If you just, you know, yield to your desires, it'll ruin your life. And covetousness is wanting or longing or desiring something. Now, listen to this. Don't have to turn there. But in Exodus 20, we saw this again. Let me read it. It said, Exodus 20, 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant or ox or ass or anything that your neighbor's. The living Bible said you must not be envious of your neighbor's house or want to sleep with his wife or want to own his slaves or oxen or donkeys or anything else that he has. Deuteronomy 5.21 says you must not, neither shall you desire your neighbor's wife. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, his field, his manservant, his maidservant, his ox, his ass, or anything that is your neighbor's. If something belongs to somebody else, what do you know? I am not to get my eyes on it. You are to be crystal, crystal clear on that. If it is theirs... It's not yours. And you are not to allow yourself to daydream about it, fantasize about it, think about it, or talk about you having it. To do so is strictly forbidden. Can we keep from it? Even if we're tempted to want something that somebody else has, can we control ourselves? Can we cut that off? Instead of feeding it till it consumes our thought life, can we starve it? Can we cut off feeding it at all until it's so weak that it does not trouble us? And should we not also realize that God being who he is, we don't have to long for somebody else's anything. God will give us our own. And it will be better for us. 
than theirs. And if you love your brother or sister, you don't want to take anything from them. You're glad they got that. If it's good and great, you're glad for them. You're rejoicing. In fact, the law of Christ is that you would be willing to sacrifice and not have it so that they could. That's love. But see, selfishness is perfectly willing for you to sacrifice so I can have it. That's devilish. That's ungodly. That's covetousness. And that's what the Lord says. I want you completely free from that. I want you without covetousness. Not one vestige of that ugly stuff in your life. So are you purposed in your heart? That's how you're going to live? That's how you're going to be? Can you get a hold of yourself no matter what comes up? You know, you see something, some situation, something that somebody's got, and something about your flesh and mind wants it. Can you grab yourself that moment and go, no, you don't. No, you don't. That's theirs. I'm forbidden to even think about having what's theirs. Right? That's theirs. That's their car. That's their house. That's their job. That's their possessions. That's their spouse. That's their life. I refuse to let myself even think about what it might be like to have their stuff. It's sin. And we won't do it. Say it out loud. I won't do it. I won't do it. Also say this. I don't have to. God will give me my own. Right? That might not be, you know, day after tomorrow. You may have to stand. We talked about faith and patience. But if you will, he will take care of you so that in process of time, you'll wind up perfect, complete, entire, wanting, lacking, needing, nothing. Perfectly, completely satisfied. How many believe that that God can, and if you'll trust him, will satisfy you in every area of your life? You don't have to steal. You don't have to covet somebody else's. God will give you your own. Do you believe that? Well, then you're willing to stand and wait long as need be, right? And trust and be happy while you're waiting. That's what he said. You know, don't be covetous, but be content. How can you? Because he's with you. And he'll never leave you and never forsake you. And you know that in the process of time, he does all things well. And you're going to wind up completely fulfilled. Completely soul satisfied. So many things that people pine and get all bent out of shape because they don't have. It just shows spiritual trouble in their heart. Because that stuff is not as important as you think. Huh? No. There's people just miserable. Because they don't have a certain kind of house. They don't have a certain kind of car. They don't have a certain amount of money. They're not a member running with this crowd or that crowd. And don't realize they got a healthy body. They got good friends. Their name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Here's what I'm saying. And all they can think about is I don't have this. My clothes are out of style. They're last year's. (laughs) I can't be happy unless I have this year's style. Well, you're ignorant. (laughs) If you got God, you've got everything that's essential. And necessary for happy life and contentment. And if you will seek him first, all these things will be added to you. 
And you can have the latest, greatest, best of everything if you be willing and obedient. But you can't put stuff first. It'll choke you. It'll make you unhappy. Now turn with me, if you would, to uh, Joshua, the book of Joshua, and the seventh chapter. Let your life, your whole way of living be without covetousness. Joshua 7, you know this story if you've read this. But what happened is a man by the name of Achan, verse 20, Joshua 7, 20. During the time that the God's people were possessing the land of Canaan, they're fighting the battles and taking the cities. Verse 20 of Joshua 7, Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. Thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils... A goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of the tent and the silver is under it. Anybody remember this story? Have you read it? Are you aware of it? He says out of his own mouth, I coveted them. Did he know he wasn't supposed to get them? Oh, yeah. He was crystal clear. Well, why did he have it hidden, see? If you read the previous part of the story, there had been a search on throughout the whole camp for this. And he had been able successfully to lie about it and to hide it up to this point to where God put his finger on him. And expose the whole deal. And he coveted. What is this over? This is over clothes. And money. Now a lot of people like to think. That they're more spiritual than this. (laughs) Missing the plan of God. Over some clothes and money. But it happens too many times. It happens far too many times. I know. I had the privilege. Phyllis and I both. Of working at a. Ramah Bible Training Center. Uh, the Bible school where we went. And uh, then later on, I taught there for a number of years. And uh, there were numerous times when people would want to leave the school. And so they had to have an exit interview with one of the instructors. And Phyllis was the dean's uh, secretary. And so we were involved in all that. And the reasons for people leaving, you just wanted to shake your head. Because I was, we were also part of orientation. So sometimes just a month into the school term, people are wanting to leave and go home. Or two months into it. And two months before, and they were all in orientation, shouting, acting like they had arrived at the Holy Land. And we're talking about God sent you here. Yes, God sent me here to do the will of God. And I'm going to obey God. And I'm going to do the plan of God for my life. And here sometime, as little as four weeks later, they're sitting in the office ready to go home. And let me give you some of the reasons why. One guy was saying, man, he said, I'm hungry. 
I've been eating good. Say, man, at Mama's house, we have steak a couple of times a week. I ain't had a steak since I've been here. All I've had is these little dumb, what do you call them? Raymond noodles. Because they were cheap. You just had water, I guess. Right? He said, he said, that's all I've had night and day. I'm sick of them. I'm going home. Get a decent meal. He's leaving. What is that? That's covetousness. He's coveting food. And is ready. I mean, now, a month ago, he's hollering, God sent me here to get trained to do the will of God, to do the plan of God for the kingdom. Now he's leaving. Over what? This is not hearsay now. Food. Well, I haven't been eating like I want to, and I just don't like it. So one couple's leaving. Why are you leaving? Well, they got mad because they had got tickets for parking in the wrong place. Everybody told them on campus, what was it, the uh, the yellow is for the instructors? The blue is for the instructors, and the yellow is for the students and everybody else. Well, you park in the wrong place, you're going to get a ticket. You ain't supposed to be there. Well, what they would do is they'd get there late, and there were no parking places. Excuse me, there were, there was gravel parking far away. And they got upset because the lady said she wasn't going to park in the gravel because it damaged her expensive shoes. And so she couldn't park in the gravel. And so they had to park in the instructor's place. Well, they hadn't been allowed to do that. They've been ticketed now. And they've been told, you cannot do that. You must not do that again. Well, they're upset. They're leaving. Why? Why are they leaving? Do you see what I'm saying? People like to think they're more spiritual than that. But I have seen people pitch hissy fits over $50. And absolutely not pray about something, just make a rash decision and leave and jump and clean out their desk and throw down their tools. And I ain't got to put up with this. Why? I'm going to have this my way. I want this. I'm going to do it this way. People want to think they're more spiritual than that. But here this man, he's in the middle of a great move of God. God is bringing his people into what he's promised them for all these years. Miracles are happening. They were strictly forbidden to touch any of this stuff. Now back up with me. What are you there in seventh chapter? Back up to the sixth chapter. See what went before this. Chapter six. Verse 16. This is uh, Jericho. You remember how the walls fell? And God supernaturally? Well, uh, verse 16, Joshua 6, 16. It came to pass at the seventh time when the priest blew with the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And the city shall be accursed. Now notice immediately he says, The city shall be accursed. Or one different translations bring out, That means devoted. And all that are therein to the Lord. Now what did the Lord say? 
Everything that's in the city. Now he uses two words and it sounds, you wonder why these two words you keep hearing. One of them is accursed. The other one is devoted. We're going to get into this. But basically he said everything in the city is devoted to the Lord. You don't touch any of it. Now this was the first city that they took. Having crossed the river, entering into the promised land. How many know God's big on first stuff? Amen. First. The fir- what the Lord said is, the first one is mine. Was it because he didn't want them to have any gold or nice clothes? Or- no, if you keep reading, the rest of them, he said, you can have it. But he said, the first one's mine. Well, why? He expects his people to put him first. Including with their money. Now this is not a popular teaching. When you start talking about putting God first and tithes and these things. A lot of people don't like it. But you know, we're not running for office around here. And the reason most of you are here is because you want the word. Not you or my opinion. But how many understand God does not change? If he was this way then, when did he change? He hasn't changed. He said, this first city, all the stuff in it is devoted to me. Therefore, it is accursed to you. Did you hear that phrase now? I know I'm saying it a different way, but you'll see that's what it is as we go on. It's devoted to me. Therefore, it's accursed to you. Now keep reading. Verse 18, and you in any wise, if you will keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest you make yourselves accursed. When you take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. And they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. When something is not yours, and it is not supposed to be yours, even though it may be a blessing to somebody else, if you take it, it will be a curse to you, and it will bring the curse into your life. With You may get it. You may get somebody else's wife or husband. You may lie on them and backstab them and get their job. You may undermine them and get their contract and get that deal out from under them. You may get their stuff. You may get their spouse. You may get it. But with it comes a curse. And try as you may to enjoy it, that curse is going to chew on you the whole time it is there. And if you had any sense, you'd get out of it as quick as you could. And the wise person never gets into it. Now... Hold your place here, because we're not done with this nearly. But go to the book of Malachi. Anybody remember anything from Malachi that talks about this? Malachi and the third chapter, verse 6. Malachi 3, 6. The Lord says, for I am the Lord. I what? I change not. Therefore, in other words, and that's why. You sons of Jacob are not consumed. 
Very positive thing when he says, I don't change. I think that hasn't been included with this thought like it should be. I am the Lord. I don't change. That's why you're still around. (laughs) Have we thought that when we heard it so many times we haven't thought it that way? That's what he said. He said, that's why you ain't been gone a long time ago. Because I don't. You change. I don't. (laughs) Keep reading. He said, even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinance. See, you changed. I didn't go anywhere. You did. And you have not kept them. Return unto me. And I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? What are we going to return to you? Verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. In verse 9, what does it say? You are cursed with a curse. Why? For you have robbed me. And it wasn't just a few individuals. He said even this whole nation. Wonder how much of this nation does not honor God with tithes and offerings. Wonder how much of church going people don't honor God with tithes and offerings. And you start talking about this, you know, people get huffy. Well, this is the New Testament and I don't believe it that way. Well, God said, I don't change. That's how he started this. Well, I don't believe in that. Well, he does. And he doesn't change. And we're, we're not pulling on you at all. This is not between me and you or us and you. It's between you and him. That's the big deal. And even if you wanted to be technical about tie this, tie that, can you believe that a Christian ought to put God first? In every area of their life, including their finances. Amen. And people say, well, I just believe in being led. Me too. But if you are consistently putting the kingdom of God first less than old covenant people did, you ain't being led. If they're putting the kingdom of God uh, first in their finances more than you did in this new and better covenant then we're not being led but now here's the issue he's what did he say you're cursed with the curse for you have robbed me why from what we just got through reading why would that be so why would there be a curse now, it's not, my, it's not my purpose to teach on tithing this evening. If you're interested, well, we spent months a while back on the offerings of the Lord. That's available. You can download it. You can go get it. Don't take my word for it at all. Get your Bible out. Search these things. But the Lord instructed that the tithe, the 10%, belong to him. The Bible says in more than one place, the tithe belongs to the Lord. So just like he said concerning all the spoil of Jericho, he said that is devoted to the Lord. If it's devoted to him and somebody takes it, it's a curse to them. Can you see that? 
And the tithe must be the Lord's or why could there be a curse in keeping it? Well, it gets quiet when you start talking about these things. <laughs> now, on the other hand now, you can't do anything in fear. And you can't do anything because you feel like you have to. You don't have to. Millions and millions and millions of Christians don't. They don't tithe. They hardly even give offerings ever. Barely. But it's also why there's a curse. There's a curse. Now, he said, that you know, are, are you just stuck if you're there? No. Verse 10 is the solution. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. He will not destroy the fruit of your ground and your vine cast a fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you what? Blessed. Not cursed. Everybody will see you. Not cursed. They'll call you blessed. For you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Does the New Testament say, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you? Well, how are you going to do that? He's writing to people who knew these words. They already knew all this. Now, with that in mind, come back to Joshua. Come back to Joshua. He warned them in verse uh, chapter 6 and verse 18 and 19 that they must not... Keep any of the stuff. Because all of the spoil, all the silver and the gold and all the riches from that city, that first city, he said, are devoted to me. They belong to me. Now, without going into detail, you can just skip right over to the eighth chapter. The very next city, Ai, when they took it, chapter 8 and verse 2 says, you shall do to Ai and her king as you did to Jericho and her king. Only the spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall you take for a prey to yourselves. The next one, he said, take all of it. And the next one, and the next one, and the next one. It's not that he didn't want them to have the stuff. What was the thing? This first one is mine. How many remember the man of God? The prophet that the Lord sent to the widow woman, where was it, at Zarephath? And she came there and her and her boy starving. He said, bring me uh, something to drink, a little water. And she said, okay, she's going to do that. Then he says, how about just a little bite to eat? Well, man, that's like asking for somebody's life because famine is on. Nobody's got anything. She said, oh, man of God, all I had was this little bit of meal and oil. I was going to make a little cake. Me and my boy is going to eat it. And then I guess we're just going to die. What did he say? Make me a little cake first. Now, boy, what would the uh, news programs do with that nowadays? Preacher takes food out of starving child's mouth. Boy, that'd make all the news broadcasts. But why would he say that? See, he wasn't just saying that because he was hungry. The Lord told him to say that. 
And the reason why she's in the book is because she did it. She had enough faith to do it. To take that food out of her and her boy's mouth. And she wasn't just giving it to the man. She's giving it to God. And the Bible said there was a miracle. And they ate off of that little handful of meal. And that little bit of oil. God supernaturally multiplied it through the whole famine. And they survived when many, many died. But what had to happen? She had to put God first. She had to. Elsewise, it would not have happened. And what the Lord is saying, he's bringing them into lands, houses, buildings, silver, gold, jewels, orchards, fields. He's bringing them into everything. And boy, he started off with a blast, didn't he? I mean, the walls fell down flat. I mean, ain't nobody got a question. God is with these folks. And he's doing this. He said, but the spoils on this first one, do not touch them. They are mine. They're dedicated to me. If you touch them, it'll be a curse to you. Everybody knew it. There was no, you know, fogginess about this. They proclaimed this throughout all the tribes. Everybody was crystal clear. Do not touch any of the stuff. This first city, the whole whole of the stuff is the Lord's. It goes into his treasury. But somebody did. Joshua, the sixth chapter, he'd warned them about it. And the seventh chapter, the Bible said, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven. And he said, go up and view the country. And they did. And they came back and they said, oh, this is going to be easy, you know. Don't make everybody go up. We'll just take two or 3,000 people and we'll go up there and take this thing. And so they went up there, about 3,000, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them 36 men and they chased them before the gate, even to Shebarim, and smote them into going down. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. They suffered a defeat. They were on such a high with the victory of Jericho. And it was so obvious God was with them. And now the very next thing, they get whipped. They get run out of town. Several of them died. And Joshua tore his clothes. And he fell to the earth with his face before the ark of the Lord until eventide. He and the elders of Israel, they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord our God. Why have you at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us to the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and just dwelt on the other side of Jordan. How's he doing? Not good at all. This smacks of the same junk that caused the whole bunch of them to die out in the wilderness. He know, Joshua knows better than this. Verse 8, he said, O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear about this, and they'll circle us round about, and they'll cut off our name from the earth, and then what will you do about your great name? And the Lord said to Joshua, get up from there. What are you laying on your face like that? He was not impressed with his little speech. Israel has sinned. 
And they've transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have taken of the accursed thing. Now stop right here. What is the accursed thing? The accursed thing is the thing devoted to the Lord. It's also said holy unto the Lord. And I know for years when I read that, I thought, how does that jive? It's holy to the Lord and it's called the accursed thing? How can something holy to the Lord be accursed? Well, if you take it and it's the Lord's, then it's a curse to you. And so he said, uh, they have taken of the accursed thing and they have stolen and dissembled. Dissembled means lie. They have stolen and they have lied about it and they have put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before the enemies, but turned their backs before the enemies because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except you destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of you, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Oh, friends, get this, get this now. We are not supposed to be defeated. Ever. We are supposed to win and win and win and win. We're supposed to get answers to our prayer, answers to our prayer, answers to our prayer. We're supposed to get healed and then get healed and then get healed. Come on, are y'all with me now? We're supposed to get our bills paid. And pay stuff off. We're supposed to get what we're believing for. And when we don't. Something's wrong. Did you hear me? This is where people have messed up. The modern church world has really messed up on this thing. Many modern teachers and believers. If this had happened. That this great victory. I mean miraculous. Spectacular. Sign and wonder. Jericho victory. And the very next thing. Defeat. Dishonor. Your heads. You know where your feet were just a moment ago. And a lot of people would get up and say. Well. This just must not have been the Lord's will. You know. We don't understand all these things. But obviously it wasn't the Lord's will. To give us AI. And we'll just, you know, he's trying to teach us something through this defeat and through this failure. Do you ever tire of hearing such stuff? This is one of the big differences between us and a lot of other believers. Did you know this? This is one of the big, big differences. Millions of believers and churches and groups, they believe and practice what I just described to you. They would have said, well, it just obviously wasn't God's will to give us AI. And you know, God's just causing us to walk through a valley so we can appreciate the mountaintops. And you just have to take the bad with the good. And we don't understand and know why God does all these things like these people dying at AI and us being whipped and run out of town. But we just have to say, Lord's will be done. Baloney. I said baloney. 
And see, that's what Joshua, as much of a man of God as he is, he's laying on the ground and he's crying and he's praying. He said, God, our enemy's going to hear about this. They're going to come gang up on us because now they know we can be whipped. And, you know, basically he's tempted to say what all the bunch said in the wilderness. We're all going to die out here. And the Lord said, get yourself up. The reason you fell is because you got sin among you. You got the cursed thing among you. Get it straight. Get it purged. Said out loud, I'm supposed to win. win. Every time. time. There are no no God-ordained failures. The Bible said, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. God wasn't trying to teach them something through them being whipped at Ai. They were supposed to have won that battle first time. Why didn't they? Covetousness. I said covetousness. Covetousness. And here's something else. What about those 36 guys that died? Would they have died if one man hadn't have coveted? And here the leaders are in mourning and prayer. The whole nation is affected by one man's sin. We might not like to think so, but it happened. One man, one woman's sin can affect a whole group. Now notice... Keep reading this. They asked the Lord to show them who it was. And nobody volunteered. Nobody volunteered. And finally the Lord. Similar thing to what we we saw. He eliminated down to this tribe. And down to this family. And down to this group. And eventually Achan. Why didn't he just tell them it was Achan? Well. mm -mm. He wanted to do it this way. And. uh When he got to him and Achan saw that he couldn't be hid, he came forward and he said, yeah, verse 21, read it again. I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment. What does that mean? A nice suit. Man, it was nice. And I saw 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold. And I what? I coveted them. And he took them and he hid them in his tent. So what happened then? A curse was in his tent. And a curse was in the whole group. And when they went to take their next land, they failed. Because instead of being blessed and empowered to prosper... They were doomed to be destroyed. Remember we talked a few months ago about the blessing and the curse, right? Friend, when you get this in your spirit real strong, it will cause you to get such that you won't even look twice at anybody else's stuff. Because I don't care how wonderful it might be. You know to you it's the curse. It will bring the curse into your house. 
It'll cause the blessing not to be there. And it'll stop your spiritual progress. I know uh, Dr. John G. Lake, they had uh, healing homes up in uh, Spokane, Washington. And they used to pray with people and pray for them to be healed. But they would do a diagnostic type of praying. They believe we're all supposed to be healed. So if we're not, why aren't we? Is it ignorance? Is it lack of faith? Is it something else? What do we need to get changed so that we are? And on this one particular thing, this guy had been there some time and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. Not trying to judge and accuse and find fault. We're just trying to find out what's wrong. What needs to be fixed? And he said, what is this X amount of thousand dollars that keeps coming up to me? Every time I start praying, this certain figure, I forget what it was, several thousands of dollars, which especially back then was a whole lot of money. But he said, this keeps coming up to me, whatever it was, several thousand dollars. And uh, the man said, well, my partner died. And his wife and family trusted me to dissolve everything and take care of everything. And I just decided after all of it was done that my extra work merited that amount of money. And so I kept that without them knowing he said, do you have that much money? He said, yeah, more than that. He said, well, I won't pray for you till you go and get that money in the post to them. You mail them a check or get it wired to them and then come back and we'll pray. And the man did it. And they came back and they prayed and he was healed. Well, why would that be an issue? Well, he's got something that brought a curse into his life. Oh, do you see this, friends? Go to the book of James real quick. There's something that's bringing a curse into his life. God's not cursing him. God's not saying, no, I won't heal you. But he has, there is something that's not supposed to be his and he's holding on to it. And in holding on to it, it's cursing him. Oh, can you see this? The book of James. This is New Testament now, right? James 5, 1. Go to now, you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come on you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Let's just stop right here. Um, I've talked with several of my contemporaries and people that's a lot bigger than me in ministry I was talking to one of them the other day. We talked about how much money comes into the ministry, but it just goes right out just as soon as it comes in. And we were talking to somebody else the other day, and they are talking about stockpiling. And we said, well, no, we're a nonprofit ministry. Money is not supposed to just pile up and sit. It's supposed to be doing something. What's this saying? That the money is what? It's rusting. And the garments are moth-eaten. We ought not have clothes in our closet that just wear out from sitting there when somebody else can wear them. And how many know that you ought to have uh, that in your heart, that you don't just have a bunch of stuff that sits in your house and you you know it's doing nobody any good? And we ought not be happy with just a bunch of money sitting. Well, we're getting interest off of it. Ain't going to be no rewards for interest. 
Did you hear me now? We need to be helping somebody with our stuff. That's okay to have investments. Don't get me wrong. But you don't just stockpile, stockpile, stockpile and never think about anybody else. That's what these guys are doing. He said, your riches are corrupted, your garments, you got all this stuff sitting there rusting, and the moths are eating it. And verse 3, your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust, the what? Why does stuff rust? It's not being used. The rust of them shall be a witness against you. That rust is going to take the stand and testify in the judgment to come. Against the owners that let it sit there and rust. You've heaped treasure together for the last days. And behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields. Which is of you kept back by fraud. They stole these people's money that worked for them. And stockpiled it. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. You've lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You've nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You've condemned and killed the just and he does not resist you. Now is this a picture of covetousness? Why would you, having plenty of money, do a man wrong on his wages that's working for you? You've got got plenty of money. Why would you steal his little check? covetousness oh it happens every day happens every day people just greedy and he noticed what he said verse 3 read it again the gold and silver is cankered the rust of them shall be a witness against you and shall what eat your flesh as it were fire what's going to eat your flesh the rust of the stuff That you kept unlawfully is going to eat you. Have there been people who have gotten stuff by lying and stealing and corruption. And when they get it, it eats them. It chews them. And the sad thing is, people, they don't want to admit their deception. They don't want to admit their own. So they just hide it and hide it. And it just eats them and chews them and eats them. And that money's sitting there in the bank. But it's chewing them and eating them year after year after year. And it is a curse in their life. Friend, there's nothing worth that. That's what covetousness did to Achan and the whole uh, tribe. He coveted. Now go to the book of Acts. I want you to see that this is not just in the Old Testament. This is God who does not change. Do you know what happened with Achan? Have you read the story? He did not come volunteer and admit it and repent. He hid as long as he could and he lied as long as he could until God put his finger on him and brought him out and basically said, him. And when everybody saw it and he couldn't deny it, he said, yeah, I got it. I took it. And what they did that day is they stoned him. And his family, everybody's with him. Stoned him. Now you might think, well, man, that's, 
That's harsh. Why, why the same punishment as for murder or something else? Have you thought about that? Why? Why would a man die that day because of uh, taking something that didn't belong to him? Let me tell you why. The Bible teaches that this corruption can spread through an entire people. And corrupt everything. Let me read. Don't try to turn to these. But let me just read this to you. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 27. He that's greedy of gain troubles his own house. But he that hates bribes shall live. Somebody say, I hate a bribe. bribe. The question is, what is your price? And everybody likes to think, I can't be bought. But the sad reality is people are being bought every day. Christians. 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 But why don't you say it anyway? Say, I can't be bought. I, can't be bought. I, won't, I won't sell out. I won't sell out. The Bible said the king by judgment establishes the land, but he that receives bribes overthrows it. What if your leaders are covetous and will take money instead of judging right? What happens to your whole nation? Where can the poor people get justice? Do you see what he's talking about? Why would you execute a man for this? Because this can bring a nation to its knees. Covetousness. The Bible said, Isaiah 1, he said, your princes are rebellious and they are companions of thieves. Everybody loves a bribe and runs after money. They don't judge the fatherless. The cause of the widow doesn't come to them. Jeremiah says, from the least of them, even to the greatest, every one of them is given to covetousness. From the prophet to the priest, every one of them. Now, what about in the church? If the leaders... Buy and sell the leadership of the church. They show favoritism. They won't do right and wrong. They sacrifice the anointing for money. What kind of church could you have? Well, study the dark ages. And you see exactly. Oh, it's awful. Why so serious? Why a man executed And those around him executed right there over coveting a suit of clothes and some money. Why the Lord tell us, I want your life to be completely without this. None of it. Because it undermines society. It undermines the family. Oh, can you see it? Do you see it? Now go to the book of Acts and the fifth chapter. We may have to pick up on this next time. Acts 5. Well, let me back up to the fourth chapter. 432. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. 
And neither said any of them that ought or any of the things which they possessed was his own. Nobody said, that's mine, that's mine, don't touch that, that's mine. But they had all things common, they were free. Verse uh, 34, neither was there any among them that lacked, because as many as were possessors of lands, uh, houses, sold them. And brought the prices of the things that were sold. Were they covetous? Man, this is the exact opposite of covetousness. They were liberal. They were free-hearted. They were hung up on the stuff. Now, keep reading. All this is going on. I mean, it sounds like Faith Life Church in overdrive. Right? I mean, stuff is flowing People are just giving and sowing. Not long after we got here, you know, sowing began like it did and has continued. One fellow said, he said, well, I'll tell you one thing. That faith like bunch, they're either all going broke or something's happening. I said, it's the last one. We ain't all going broke. Because they just had not seen that kind of giving. And just didn't understand it. Well, that's perfectly scriptural. When these people got saved and the Holy Ghost fell and they all got filled with the Spirit, that's what happened. They got liberal. They became big time givers. We're in the same church, same Spirit, same good news, same sowers. Chapter 5, verse 1, but right in the middle of this, a certain man named Ananias was Sapphira. His wife sold a possession. Is this New Testament? Right in the middle of the New Testament. His wife privy to it. And they brought a certain part. And laid it at the apostles feet. And Peter said Ananias. Why has Satan filled your heart. To lie to the Holy Ghost. Do you see how. uh, You know the book of Joshua said. That they had taken it. And they had dissembled. That word means lied. Do you see how lying goes hand in hand with covetousness? Hand in hand. People want it, so they'll lie about it. And he said, why did you lie about this? And you kept back part of the price of the land. While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own power? Why did you conceive this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, you lied to God. And Ananias heard these things and fell down and gave up the ghost. He died right there on the spot. Man, that sounds like uh, Joshua and Achan. Is he the Lord God who changes not? And there's been many times I thought, why so severe? Wow. I mean, they didn't finish the conversation. And the man is dead. It's over. Why is this so serious? Now let's just back up. What, you know, Sapphira was full partner with him on this. She came in right behind him, you know, and lied about it too. And she fell down dead too. What was the problem? Yeah, they lied to the men and really lied to God. But why did they lie? Where did the whole thing spring out of? They sold that property. And when the check came in, when they got paid. They got to looking at that check, didn't they? And they thought, this is just too much money 
to just go give to the church. It's just too much. And the thing is, they had already dedicated it to the Lord. Oh, come on now. Come on. Do you hear this? Do you see this? Other people had been doing this. How do I know? You can see it from front to back. They did this before they ever sold this place. And they had told everybody. When this sells, we're going to give the whole thing to the Lord. We're going to come because other people had done that. We're going to give the whole thing to the Lord when it comes in, when it sells. Well, it sold. And they got a good price for it. And they got to looking at that big check. They thought, oh, didn't know it's going to be that much. Man. And they started coveting that money. What's the problem? It's no longer theirs. They gave it to him. And now they're going to take what is his. And when you do that, what happens? You take the curse into your bosom. And it will eat your flesh like fire. And it was so serious. Does God want this in his church? Does he want a repeat of what we just got through reading in Isaiah and Jeremiah. Where everybody from the priest to the prophet has got their hand out. And is willing to do anything and undermine anything if you'll pay him enough money. Oh, he can't have it. God cannot have that in his church and get done what he needs to get done and finish this job up. He's got to have people that hate covetousness. They hate it. Somebody said, that's a strong word. I'm quoting scripture. In fact, go there and I think I can finish with this. We can pick up here next time. Go to Exodus 18. Exodus 18. Get ready to shout. Maybe hadn't had as much shouting tonight, but get ready. Exodus 18. Are you there? God told Moses what to do. So that all the people could flourish and multiply and his will be expanded and increased. He told him he had to have leaders and he had to delegate. Exodus 18. Are you there? Exodus 18. 19. 18, 19. He said, you be for the people to God and you bring the cases to God and you'll teach them ordinances and laws and you'll show them the way to walk therein. And verse 21 You shall provide out of all the people able men, they have ability, such as fear God, they have a lot of respect for God, men of truth, they can't be liars, and they what? Hating covetousness. And you put them to be rulers, to be what? Say that word. Rulers, to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds and rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. He said they've got to be able, they've got to have ability, they've got to fear God, they've got to be men of truth, they've got to be honest, they can't lie, and they've got to hate covetousness. Why has God worked on this, us with this for week after week after week after week? You are called... I almost said it. I I don't need to say that right now. Next week, you need to come back (laughs) next week and get the rest of this. You are called, I will say this, to rulership. And it involves some precious kingdom business. 
But you do not qualify. And I do not qualify if we'll sell out over 50 bucks. You see that now? If we'll keep an extra 10 because they gave us the wrong change at the drive through window. We don't qualify for the precious things of God. We'll sell out. Judas sold out. Didn't he? Balaam sold out. Esau sold out. Why? They coveted that money and that stuff and they showed their heart. They wanted that more than they wanted God's approval. Somebody say, not me. me. Go to Luke, please. It goes with this. He said they've got to hate covetousness. And then you're going to put them in rulership positions. Luke 16. In this world, people will tell you, everybody's got their price. Won't they? Oh, yeah. And uh, people who, there are so many people, bless their hearts, they don't know God. And when they hear us talking about sowing and reaping and prosperity, all they can see is that that preacher or those folks, they got them a scam and they're getting the money. And you know why they think that way? Because that's what they would do. That's why they think that way. But God knows his people. He knows our hearts. And there's got to be people that qualify to do the big jobs in the kingdom. The Lord has got to have people that can distribute his wealth. That can be used to flow. Used to supply. But you can't have sticky fingers. You got to know the difference between what's his and what's yours. Right? And not get them confused. And if you can't even get clear about the tithe. That that's his? Then you're not even started. You're not out of kindergarten yet. That's right. <laughs> There's a lot of people still in kindergarten. <laughs> Luke 16. <laughs> Luke 16. He said, verse 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that stuff and money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, a what? Isn't that what our text we've read about? If it belongs to your neighbor, then you cannot desire it. And if you hadn't been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? But now can you see, if you read it the other way, what if you're faithful? Huh? In helping somebody with theirs. And you respect theirs and won't touch theirs. What's the rest of it? I know Phyllis and I served with the Hagans for uh, 20 plus years. And uh, the last... Oh, what was about the last four of that during a time of prayer? The Lord said to me one time in the night time, he said, now, he said, I'm going to give you your own. And he brought that scripture to my remembrance. 
But we had uh, respected theirs. And would have been happy to do that the rest of our life. But we respected theirs and respected theirs. And it was not ours. It was theirs. We're helping them with theirs. But so many people, we've had, you know, several people come and they want to use this church for their agenda. They don't have their own voice. So they want to use this for theirs. And they're not interested in being faithful to help another man do what they're supposed to do. They want yours. They want to take it some way. And that's why there's all this paranoia, uh, even among churches and pastors, that somebody's going to get my people. But when you get this straight in your heart, you get free from all the fear. Did you hear me? You're not trying to hold on to anybody. You're not trying to win any popularity contest. Do what the Lord said. Lead. Some will follow, some won't. That was Jesus' record. How are you going to beat that? Some will believe, some won't. Some will follow, some won't. Verse 13, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now when he said that, the Pharisees, who were what? They were covetous. And they heard all these things and they derided him. You know, I'm so glad the Lord's letting us sow like we are. You know, the last several meetings we've been on, it's just so wonderful. I mean, I don't ask the people for anything. I'm not trying to sell them anything. I'm not trying to do anything. Just so, come bless you. Come sow to you. And I don't believe it's wrong to sell materials. Don't misunderstand me. But it just, it's harder and harder for people to look at you sideways. Yeah, he's got some angle. He's after something. What? There's no charge. There's no sell. What? Well, he's got some angle. You know why they believe that? That's how they are. That's what they, they knew if they were in that place, that's what they'd be doing, trying to milk it for everything it's worth. (laughs) He said, They were covetous. And they heard all these things. They derided him. They started fussing with him about it. He said, look, you are those which justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. And that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. God has different values. Doesn't he? Answer this question. It's not hard. Which is more important? Money? People. Are you clear on that? Are you crystal clear on that? If it costs you money, but it helps people, what? It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. If it costs you money, if you lose money, you don't get money. It costs you money, you lose a deal, but it helps people. You ain't got to pray about that. You ain't got to ask anybody about that. Which is more important, money or people? People every day of the week, every hour of the day. People, 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 people. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet and say it out loud. I love the Lord Lord. with all my heart, with all my my soul, with all my mind, 
with all my strength. I love my neighbor as myself. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a heart like yours. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I am not covetous. I have no covetousness in me at all. I refuse to set my eyes or heart on anything or anybody that belong to someone else. I will not. I will not. Not now. Not tomorrow. I will not. By the grace of God. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.